Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge, on Yahoo Sports Radio. Okay, our next guest is someone who knows what a football player looks like. Jerry Angelo had a hand in building two Super Bowl teams, the 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the director of player personnel and the 2006 Chicago Bears as the general manager. His draft boards put Derek Brooks, Warren Sapp, John Lynch, and Rondi Barber in Tampa Bay uniforms, and Lance Briggs, Charles Tillman, Tommy Harris, and Derek Devin Hester in Chicago uniforms. With this the opening week of our Talk of Fame Network draft series, we've asked Jerry to come on to educate us on the draft process. Jerry Angelo, welcome to the show. Rick, good to be with you and Ron today. Jerry, let's start with the basics. How many scouts would you employ, and how many players would you research for a typical draft? Uh, Rick, we employed uh, six college scouts. Uh, we were probably on the light side. Most teams uh, probably average uh, closer to, to uh, you know, eight, in some cases nine. But I didn't really believe in big numbers. With six scouts, that divided the country up with approximately uh, 15 major schools per scout in their area. Uh, typically, you probably were scouting uh, approximately 500 players once uh, you started the process, and that would be including the uh, potential juniors that you thought might be coming out as well. When did you start building your, your draft board, Jerry? And, and, and once you got it done, how many names would be on the finished product? You know, well, we you know, started building it after camp, uh, training camp, once we got back to the office. And we, you know, the scouts had a chance to watch the tape uh, over the summer prior to coming into camp. So they knew their uh, prospects you know, at each of their school. I had a chance to do uh, some tape work as well. So once we left camp, you know, we met, obviously, during camp, uh, went over everybody's area to get a tentative idea of what their area would look like. So we would have a, our board set up and ready to go, um, you know, once we got back into the office. And then we keep a running count uh, really daily, you know, given once a, a scout would leave a school, he would then, you know, send in his reports, call in his reports to us to let us know uh, what his grades were so we can keep a... Uh, you know, daily, you know, I have a good daily uh, impression of what the draft was going to look like. At the end, you know, when your, your board was, you know, prepared for draft day, probably about 75 players that we felt uh, comfortable in drafting and wanted, and normally that would get you through the whole draft. Now, that sounds kind of low. I know, I know a lot of teams had 100, 125. A lot of people think there are like 300 people on your draft board. There really isn't. But 75 seems kind of light. You can get through seven rounds with uh, 75, huh? Oh, yeah, Rick. Hey, Rick, when I, I remember Bobby Beathard uh, when he was with Washington, and I would talk to him. They would have about a dozen players. That was it. You really? Know? Yeah, that, that sounded a little scary, but you have to understand, <laughs> you, you knew that these dozen players weren't all going to go in the first and second round. These were players that they, they liked, and Bobby was the best I'd ever seen at targeting players and really paring his list down, didn't overcomplicate things, didn't get swallowed up with the numbers and drowning in information like a lot of us would do uh, from time to time. I remember Jimmy Johnson making this statement when he was at Dallas. He said he would have a list of players, not a big list, that he had targeted, 
they knew uh, probably within those first four or five rounds where they can get those players. So I think it's a misnomer when you think that it's a big list. You know, you really try to pare it down. 75 was usually the number that we always worked off of. And, again, uh, you know, we never had problems, uh, you know, getting through the draft because, you know, we were running out of players. Is your board up before the combine? No, the board is ongoing. We would have a board, you know, uh, obviously it would be uh, probably 70% of uh, what maybe the final board would look like. But uh, then after the combine, you know, you would be doing some major tweaking, you know, with it. Jerry, my old friend uh, Charlie Army, who I'm sure you know uh, well, always used to tell me that the combine was where you guys went to be talked out of drafting football players and drafting to catholics <laughs> and i just want just wanted in your opinion how important is game tape of the actual plan of the game as opposed to the combines and the campus visits and, and those other things well the combine or the tape uh, from my perspective ron was the body of work and we would put 75 percent uh, emphasis you know on the tape uh, we would use the combine as creating the pecking order you know, where we had those players evaluated, you know, based on their tape. Jerry, how many players would you, as general manager, personally watch and evaluate? You know, Rick, I, I enjoyed watching tape. I was trained by the best on how to evaluate uh, players. I never think it's a good idea to get away from what you know best. And it was uh, one of the best ways I could contribute to the club as well. So I watched them all. Uh, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't put anybody on the board we were going to be in a position to draft unless I did, you know, the tape work. And when I say I did the tape work, Rick, I wrote a report on it. My report went in just like a scout's because I wanted to be held accountable as well. I wasn't just going to give an opinion, you know, without having my name on a report. So I spent a lot of time, uh, you know, doing that. You can make a lot of excuses why you can't do it. But at the end of the day, that's what they are, excuses. The best way to cross-check your scouts, your coaches, is to do the tape your, uh, yourself. And obviously, it creates the accountability that you need to, to have, you know, to run a business. Whose opinions would you weigh heavier, Jerry, when you were looking at players, scouts or your own coaches? Uh, without question, the scout. You know, he does it year-round. That's what he's trained to do. I believe the best way to use a coach is more as a cross-check. You know, the coaches main responsibilities are to develop players, to teach them, and to motivate them. That's a full-time job, and that's what he's paid to do. I was never big, uh, you know, on trying to make coaches scouts. Uh, certainly, I wanted them involved in the process, and they were. We never put a player on the board that we were going to draft without having a, a coach, you know, uh, view that player and write a report on him. But his report was used mostly, uh, you know, as a cross-check. And as I grew... Um, in the business, what I found, what made it easier for everybody, we had the scouts put the players on level. An A level would be uh, first and second round, a B level would be third and fourth round, and the C level would be five through seven. And then I would have the coaches come in at their prospective positions and rate the players within those levels how they liked them best or worse. So we, we got out of the landmines of having a coach love a player that we had rated uh, evaluated in the fifth round, and now he wants to take him in the second round. I had been through those uh, types of situations, 
And believe me, it doesn't create good karma in the building. Jerry, you found Ronnie Barber in a third round, Tony Mayberry in a fourth, Mark Anderson in the fifth, Jim Pine in the seventh, Pro Bowl quality players. So you've uncovered your share of gems. Is there one pick you are particularly proud of in the quarter century you were running draft rooms? You know, Rick, um, those are all good ones. You know, uh, there have been others like them. Uh, you know, the common denominator with all those guys is they, they overcame the odds. You know, and you know, because of their love of the game, their work ethic. And those are the guys I took personal satisfaction in being part of the evaluation to identify, you know, and draft them. You know, they they modeled the greatest things that, you know, you look for uh, as an evaluator, you know, the passion and the commitment to the game. So I had, uh, uh, you know, a goodly amount of success, you know, in part because of the scouts uh, that we had, the coaches that we had. We had a lot of those types of players, and if you say, well, what was the success uh, that you, uh, if you had to pinpoint it, it would be filling your locker room up with those types. Jerry, got got 30 seconds here. How'd you miss on Tom Brady? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. If you had uh, more than 30 seconds, I'd tell you, because I spent a lot of time on it, and, you know, I asked Belichick, you know, where I went wrong, and... Uh, you know, I, I didn't like his arm strength, but Belichick said, no, nah, you, you were right there. But, you know, given his work ethic, he said he got in that weight room. He said his arm got stronger. But, oh, boy, I'll tell you, that was, uh, that was a tough one. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people were kicking themselves over that one. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Jerry, we'd like to thank Jerry Angelo for stopping by. Uh, Jerry, this has been great. We really appreciate how you enlighten us on the process here. It's such an intriguing process, and, and your, all, all your insight was great for us. So, again, Jerry, thanks for stopping by, and you're welcome anytime. Take care, guys. Good to be thanks. with you. Okay, next up, we've got uh, Dr. Data. I will explain the quarterback mystery on draft day, and we'll close out with the two-minute drill. You listen to the Talk of Fame Network. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to geico.com. 